Hello and welcome to episode 4 of Hotball Podcast. This one is with Hassan Nasser, BDS from Sheffield in the UK, and he's going to talk to us about prison dentistry in the UK. Uh, apologies for the audio quality if there's a couple of little uh, blips. This was recorded live on Instagram, so it might not be the absolute perfect studio quality like the others. Thank you. Um, yeah, prison dentistry was is something, but I think community dentistry is something I think everybody should try and do if they have the opportunity, just because of the skills that you learn in terms of, you know, with your special needs patients or your high anxiety patients as well. Like something that I've always carried on with me. Like even now, like I have no qualms when a patient walks in and they're sweating buckets and, you know, the classic line is, you know, no offense, but I hate the dentist. And you know already that, you know, there's barriers in place um, and it really prepares you for um, those type of patients, which I don't think you really learn as much maybe in a VT setting. Um, but yeah, prison dentistry is another thing that I hugely advocate because it's a type of dentistry setting where people don't think there's dentistry happening. Um, so you don't really hear from prison dentists that often. Um, and actually the prison setting is really, really challenging. So you're working in a setting where, um, it's not just about now you and the patient, there's other factors involved. So you're working in a healthcare wing. So there's a whole wing where there's a GP, a psychologist, pharmacy, GP, and you're all working together for the same patient. So, you know, there might be, I don't know, some high risk patients. So the way the prisons work for me, I worked in four types of prisons. So there was um, all different categories. So this category A is like the worst type of category. So you've got your serial killers, your murderers, and all the worst type of sort of crimes that you can imagine um, in those prisons. And then B is like slightly less, and then C is slightly less. And so I managed to cover all those in three different counties. So like there was Bristol, Exeter, and Dorset um, were the prison clusters. My main prison yeah. hubs were actually a youth offenders. So it was basically the young, not, but not youth offenders, young adults uh, prison. And it was a high risk prison. So it was, uh, they were from 18 to 24, um, the prisoners. And um, that was my main hub. And then there was a women's prison. And also I worked in a detention center, which is not really a prison. It's mainly people that might, in the country you know either say illegally or you know something's gone wrong with their visa application or that's expired and they're waiting to be deported so a lot of these aren't really criminals in that in the sense of you know they've committed a crime they might be there through no fault of their own or there's been incorrect paperwork or you know, something's gone wrong so um so that was a little bit difficult because they were still treated like prisoners but they weren't you know they're not people I, they hadn't committed crimes like in other prisons that I'd worked in and the prison dentistry is difficult in terms of we're still a healthcare provider at the end of the day so you have to provide your treatment without any prejudice and so you still have to treat every person the same so no matter the you know the height of the crime no matter how bad it is um you know there were some people that I think, you know, the longest sentence you can imagine was I think somebody was in for like 99 years. So you can imagine the level of crime that someone has to commit to have a sentence of 99 years. 
you know so it's yeah. um, you know it's it's quite daunting coming in especially as a a first year out of vt dentist you know it's it can be quite scary but i think also you do have that protection so actually looking back i felt more protected uh, working in a prison environment than i probably do outside removed from that because you do have the prison guards on hand there is a panic button so you know if there ever is a problem and actually we never needed to and i actually felt really really safe so you know within the first couple of weeks that anxiety was gone anyway that you know oh i'm so close to you know xyz type of prisoners but actually yeah when you realize how secure everything is and how well it's run and actually it was a lot of thanks to the nurses that i worked with because i think they understood having been in as you know prison dental nurses was their job and having i think both of them have been doing it for about 2 or 3 years they understood that every dentist that comes in has an anxiety about using instruments with these um type of patients and leaving instruments around and so and you have to count everything in you count everything out everything has to be passed and counted in and out every time you use it so even in like a mirror and probe if they pass it you pass it to you you're counting in the mirror and probe you pass it them back and you count in that back out again so everything's accounted for and you know the amount of times you have to count your instrument you know so it gave me a lot of ease and it was good to know there was people around me there was a nice team around yeah. me that were looks sort of was it more kind of towards four or six hundred dentistry sort of sort of the the method that you were using yeah 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 so it was it was four for most of it sometimes six if you know something complex was going on but to be fair when i joined the prison there was quite a bad well, not a bad system but the dentist that was there wasn't working as many shifts as i was so the the volume of treatment being done um wasn't the same and actually the guidelines for prison dentistry is you're supposed to provide treatment as you would in a practice mm. which is fine if you've got things running very smooth smoothly yeah but what i found was that there was a 9 week wait to see a dentist when i joined that service and so that wasn't whether you were in pain you had a swelling you had a jaw fracture um so there was no prioritization of acute emergencies there was always just a 9 week wait and the prison system is actually really frustrating because it's not you can't just be like you know you have a list and you can't be like oh I'm going to get xyz sometimes there might be a lockdown so when the prison is in lockdown there's no movement so there could be a lockdown for a variety of reasons um and so then you know you could spend a lot of your day just doing nothing just counting instruments again because you know you might be in a lockdown or you might not see the patient so i think there's a lot of factors that uh, sort of prohibit dentistry or even the gps and you know everyone had the same problem yeah maybe even the pharmacies where there was too much of a wait list and you know the system in the prison is probably not ideal um but you have to make do and so the hardest thing for us was how did we get this wait list down um so i sat down with the nurse and i think we decided that the best thing is to do is just to give urgent dental care so treat it like an out of hours type of scenarios urgent dental sort of care scenarios where it's only extractions um broken teeth um you know infections broken jaws because jaw fractures you know you can imagine you want to try and get those treated as soon as possible like ideally the yeah. same day if you can um or you know within that 24 hour period the longer you leave a jaw fracture the harder it is to treat so um 
I was seeing jaw fractures or even like orbits, well, maybe like, I don't know, like orbs or four fractures, something like that, that were presenting so, so, so late. And you're like, it's a shame because now it's probably a bit too late. You probably still refer, but by the time, you know, they have access granted and there's staff available and someone can take them, there's all those other factors that are in place in a prison in order to get a patient taken out of a prison as well. So the authorization takes a long time. So, you you know, we wanted to prioritise that. So it started off really well and we were seeing only the emergencies um, and, you know, the, and, and the prisoners were res- responding really well. And then we started to get patients that were coming in and then you, you were like, oh, what's the emergency? And they were like, oh, I don't have one. Oh, so how have you got an appointment? Oh, I told them I had toothache. And so that's the hardest thing about prisoners where the community is so small and they all talk. So what was happening was, you know, someone was like, oh, I said I've got toothache and I got seen. And they genuinely did have toothache. But then everybody else decides, oh, if we say we've got toothache, we'll get seen. So we had a week of like patients coming in and nobody, none of them actually had pain and we were treating them. And then we just got inundated with patients again, all of these supposed pains. Um, and then we were sort of going back into a circle again where I was like, actually, we shouldn't really be treating patients who don't have, um, you know, a known cause. And that probably caused a little bit of a riot because, again, when they come in, they're kept in holding cells in the health wing. And you can yeah. hear them, you know, like you can hear them goading as you walk past if they're in a rowdy mood or it's all very much about reputation, even though it shouldn't be. So if they think you're cool or they think you're nice, then the prisoners generally are quite nice as you're walking past, you know, a holding cell. If they don't like you, as you're walking past a holding cell, it can be quite intimidating. Like, you know, luckily I probably wasn't in that position because everybody, the dentist is more sought after than the rest of the sort of, I suppose, healthcare professions. But especially something like the GP um, or the pharmacy when, you know, they have a bit of a bad rep. And they'd get goaded as they would walk past. And it was actually quite strange to see. And so, yeah, I think, so what you wanted to do was not upset the prisoners as well. Mm. But you didn't want to be manipulated by them either. There's a very high level of manipulation in the prison. And there's a lot of emotional manipulation. And you actually find that with the prison guards as well. Like some prison guards will treat certain prisoners more favorably than others. Um, due to a, probably a certain level of manipulation that they've probably not realised they've experienced. And so it's a really diff- different kettle of fish, I think, with the type of patients that you um, deal with. So we made a, a general decision that we were going to just treat. Um, we weren't going, If anyone came in and they didn't have a, a genuine emergency, we were going to take them, you know, they're going to go back in. And that caused a lot of problem in the holding cells because we were taking people back and they were saying, oh, the dentist has done this. And then everyone was kicking off. So you'd walk past and everyone was, you know, started to goad you and be like, oh, you, you know, what sort of dentist are you? What have you done to us? You know, we all, we, we've all got needs. And, you know, it's quite, it's quite emotionally charged. Um, but it's also, you know, it's quite a big, I guess, like bullying concept as well. Like, you know, it, it's, I kind of imagined to be a bit like prison break when I first started in the prison dentistry, you know, imagine like, um, you know, all these different groups. And it is a little bit similar in terms of everyone has their friendship groups and groups that look after them. And so, yeah, so, and then I think once the precedent was set, even though it was tough for the first couple of weeks, I think then people realised and the respect came back again. Um, and then actually we only saw patients with genuine emergencies. And we, that nine week over probably a three month period slowly became up to one week. 
Um, so then we were able to then start seeing patients for other needs as well. So not just now an emergency. So, and which was great for me because I did tons of extractions, tons of bad extractions, you know, then which now ended up in surgicals or, you know, all sorts of problems. And, you know, it was just a great intense experience. And um, it was a big learning curve for myself in terms of how to be a bit more dominant in terms of, you know, not dominant, maybe more assertive as a yeah. clinician, which I think is really important. And again, it's a skill that you might not pick up um, as a VT or, you know, even in general practice, because you generally left to your own devices. You're not having to really, you know, have external people or forces sort of having to battle against you. Um, and I was quite lucky. I mean, generally, again, we don't get told the prisoners um, crimes, but sometimes if there's a problem, you know, it is discussed in like, you know, a group meeting if the pharmacy and GPs are there. Um, but generally we don't have access to the file of the prisoners of what the crimes they've committed, but you can generally work out from their sentences as well. You know, if it's a two year sentence as opposed to a, you know, 12 to 99 year sentence, you can generally work out the level of crime um, that they've committed as well. Um, and then I think the final thing about prison dentistry is it does matter to them. Teeth do matter to them and probably a bit more. They become very much more like conscious about their teeth um, when they come in. And, you know, everybody wants veneers and everybody wants, you know, whitening. And obviously it's not something you can provide um, in a prison setting anyway. But, you know, it's the number one thing they will, even though they've got 10 holes in the back of their teeth. And you probably, and this is something you do get in general practice as well, you know, but the, the main concern is always, sorry, losing my phone. Um, what's the, um, how do I fix my front teeth? And I think, um, yeah, so it was, just, it was just a really big learning curve for me. So yeah, I really appreciated sort of treatment planning and having to think about actually a sentence as well. So if someone say had two years or maybe six months left of their sentence, it wasn't a priority to get X, Y, Z done. That's something that probably, you know, get them out of pain, make sure the care is free. And usually by then, you know, there's one dentist to how many hundreds of patients you're not going to um, yeah. be able to do everything. So I think, um, yeah, I really enjoy just sort of having that control or free sort of reign to do what I thought was best for my patients. Um, and I think the, yeah, the prisoners really responded to it. And it was actually, you know, it used to then become fun to come into work because you know, they'd come in and be like, oh, it's a dentist. And they'd see you across the courtyard in the morning because there's about a million gates that you have to come through um, before you can get to your wing. And, you know, you see them all in the morning out and about in their walk. So maybe if you're on a lunch break and we like to sit outside and some of them will walk past the fence, you know, and come and say hello or whatnot. So it became a, a mini community almost. Um, but you do become a little bit cynical as well working in prison. I think that's why I probably didn't continue um, I did it for two years and then didn't continue. I had the opportunity to do when I came back and my VT trainer had a contract for a prison. He's like, do you want to do it again? And I was like, to be fair, not right now, maybe in the future. But it was something that I think it does. It's not something you can do long term unless you have the temperament for it because you do yeah. get challenged on a daily basis. And the biggest problem in a prison is the crime that's happening in a prison. So there's still a lot of drug problem. So the biggest problem, I think even now, still the biggest problem at the moment is, especially I found in the youth prison, 
more so than the other prisons, they still managed to somehow get drugs into the prison. Um, and so I, whether that's via family and friends who are visiting, sometimes even by guards, I shouldn't say that out loud, um, but who might turn a blind it's eye. It's probably well known that that kind of thing does happen. Um, yeah. yeah. Got a few questions, and, um, loads of questions down there. Um, what's the first one? Can the live be saved? Yeah, it'll be up for 24 hours. House, are you okay with this one being saved in IGTV? Or what do you yeah, reckon? yeah, that's fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you feel like prisoners, uh, patients being prisoners made it harder for you to treat them? Like if you knew the sentence? Um, that's a really good question because I did have colleagues that did personally know because I thought to myself, they've done what they've done and they've got the punishment for what they've got. So it would be unfair for me to further discriminate against this person. Um, but also, you don't want to get on the wrong side of a prisoner. So you don't actually want to test, you know, your... So when they do come in, you do still want to treat them like a normal person. Um, and you still, do, you still want to... Because after all, they're still human. Like, everybody still deserves to be treated as, you know, as you would treat somebody else. Um, and I think that goes a long way in terms of... Um, that goes a long way in terms of programs that they have in terms of um, when they try and I can't remember the word for it now, but regenerate, not regenerate, but make them, yeah, rehabilitate patients, uh, prisoners. Sorry, and it goes a long way in terms of how they were treated in prison. I feel like if they weren't treated well by a whole cohort of staff, that might have a problem long term um, on a prisoner when they leave and try and integrate back into society because. They might always then think nobody will ever treat them in a fair manner. And I think so for me, even though inside sometimes I felt uncomfortable, um, on the outside, I still had to show that actually I'm still going to be nice and smile, even though I might have felt on the inside, hand on heart, that you know I might not want to speak to this person or like this person very much. But you have to get rid of your prejudices. And I think that's the, a very important thing in healthcare in general, um, because we're in a position of a lot of power and control and we're providing a healthcare service and same with doctors. And I think it's really to be put into that situation, you know, is, is part of our job. And it was understood that we do treat everybody that comes into our hands fairly. So, yeah, I think I sort of stuck by that and I hope I've treated everybody the same and with respect um, while I was in the prison service. Yeah, so the, the the way you made sure that no sharps went missing was by counting them in and out. Uh, so yeah. That, that answers kind of Asman's question. Um, yeah, so, yeah, we, basically we'd be in a lot of trouble if anything was missing. So, um, you know, even if, it, you know, I don't even know, like something disposable went missing, like you have to make sure everything was counted every day. Um, you know, and then at the end of a session, so before lunch, and then once you start back up and once you finish, and so, and like I said, the nurses are really helpful in that because as a dentist, you can be quite messy. You can just be like, you know, chuck it, pick it up, chuck it, pick it up, and you know, you might forget where you've put stuff. So it was really, really important to have nurses that were really, really on the ball to make sure I just didn't put something down because that then you know the prisoner could pick that up. So you have to make sure that it goes into somebody's hand and they put it into your hand so it's not put down on a surface. Yeah. So I think, um, yeah, that was a challenging thing. Um, but yeah, and every prison had its own, you know, problem. The women's prison, for example, yeah, it was a bit more 
different in terms of there's a lot of emotional blackmail in a women's prison. You know, there's a lot of tears, um, and it's more about the trying. It's more about befriending. So you know, a lot of the, the patients would come in and be like, you know, oh, you know, I have no self-esteem and I want to kill myself. And and actually, that was another thing. There was a quite in the youth offenders. The hardest thing was the high level of suicide rates. Um, it was actually really sad um, to see that, you know, there's these young people who have committed a crime, maybe by their fault, maybe not by their fault, maybe, I don't know, they're in the wrong place at the wrong time, or you don't know the situation. Um, and, you know, you'd be getting that person ready for the morning, and then the prison officer will come, like, I'm really sorry, we can't get so-and-so in today, we found them hung in their cell. And you're like, that. it really hit home, you know, it really hit home that actually... A, why we should try and treat the um, the prisoners with a little bit of respect because, you know, they have a lot of internal battles of their own. Um, and B, also, you know, what's what's in the system has happened or what systematic failures have happened that have allowed somebody to commit suicide um, within the prison. And these are young people. These are people that are 18 to 24. So, you know, they, they may potentially have the rest of their life ahead of them. Um, so yeah, it was quite sad. And then the other sad thing in the women's prison, there were newborn babies and there were pregnant ladies as well. So, you know, there were people, you know, coming to me with their newborn in their hand and they were like, oh, all my teeth, you know, ever since, you know, my baby's been born and the, you know, the classic line, you know, they've taken all the calcium out of my teeth and look at all my teeth, yeah. you know, they've gone flop. And, you know, you can sort of, acknowledge it a bit more in a general practice setting but in a prison setting it's really hard because you've got the emotional baggage that come with it and you're seeing a mother with a child in a cell like coming to you for help and you know there's tears and it's just it's really really tough to like you know you go home and you feel really heavy and you feel really and you haven't probably done that much I've probably only seen maybe five or six patients that day but yeah, I used to feel exhausted coming home because of the emotional sort of toll that you used to take on seeing some of the you know the prisoners and the situations that they've been in um so that was difficult um yeah and... was man's question he was he's more about when you're actually doing the work so it would it go straight into your hand from the nurse's hand and then yes. from your hand yes. back yes. to the nurse and then yeah yeah exactly so it's like it's true it's true sort of four-handed dentistry or six-handed dentistry um as we learn it um so yeah nothing gets put down and everything comes from the nurse's side so because you know there's a bit more of a barrier you've got the spittoon and everything so whatever is put down is put down on the nurse's side so not on a side where the patient can get up easily and move around you know there's sort of barriers in place where if they did get up they'd have to come all the way around the surgery in order to get access to where the nurse is sat whereas where where my i'm sat is quite open so it's easy for them to get up and grab and so that's the sort of protection you have to put in place is that mm. um you know nothing should be on your side so yeah everything would come from the nurse's side which is actually quite good because you learn actually how nice it is to do four-handed dentistry and how easy it makes things um because again i don't think we really practice it that often and even now like in gdp i don't really practice it that much but i wish i did because it used to be really cool like the nurse always knows what you want it's like you know they don't you don't even have to say anything they just mind read and you're the passion yeah. of what you need. And so, yeah, it was really cool. Yeah, um, it's something that I try to incorporate into my practice. And it's it's difficult, especially in, in practices where you don't have the same nurse all the time. So yeah. when you're doing certain yeah. treatments, you kind of get into a flow of things. When I'm doing an endo, uh, more often than not, 
and we you know the more you do with the same assistant nursing for you you yeah. can kind of just get to a point where they can see what's going on and just hand you the things yeah. as you go along yeah. and it does speed you up but it, it is pretty pretty cool like yeah, you've, you've yeah. Done an amalgam with, without ever looking up um yes then yeah i mean it's like you see, yeah not just that my nurse used to plug my amalgams for me so I didn't even have to plug in my own amalgams. Like it just used yeah. to come in, I should plug it in. So literally, I, I didn't even have to lift my head ever. That you know, it was just it was just it was so cool. Like I've not ever had that experience since. But you know, it was really nice just to have that you know true sort of forehanded dentistry available. I think also touching upon that in terms of what I've done moving forwards is I've actually written down step by step how I like every single procedure done. So like my endos, my amalgams, my composites, my GICs, like um, literally everything. So because I found that when I went into practice, um, I struggled to find the consistency with a lot of the, the, the staff. So I made then, you know, the decision that actually there's a workflow here that I like to use. And I literally, I use the same thing for everything. So I use the same instruments and I use it in this manner. I use it in this step and it, never, it hardly ever changes. Like if it changes, I'll let you know. Otherwise, you know, step by step, this is exactly how I do my endo, for example. Um, and then I think that really helped um, the staff when they come in and they read sort of, you know, the way you like things and slowly they start to do it. And it's there if they ever forget. And also how I like to set up, for example, as well. So I think that's something that I like to use, and especially for locum nurses. Um, it's good yeah. when they come in um, and then you've got, you know, X, Y, Z. And while you're working your daily list in the morning, they're just having a quick flick through on what you like to have and, you know, certain equipment. So they can have a look through the surgeries to see is that equipment available in the surgery today? Um, so you know, I don't have to keep running in and out. So I think just having a little, you know, packet for what you like to have, I suppose, is always quite useful. Um, but yeah, I think the biggest thing going back to the prisons was communication. Um, it's probably the you have to be very black and white in a prison. There's no grey area. So if you say maybe, you know, the the prisoner will come back and say, "You said I could have this." So it was always either a yes or a blanket no. Like you couldn't ever say maybe or I'll think about it because they'd take that as a yes um, and they'd come back to you. So that was always, again, you know, something that you learn um, as you go along. Um, and actually that was quite similar in the detention centres as well. So even though they were prisoners, they still, you know, would hold on to what a previous dentist had said or, you know, I had one guy and he wanted a veneer because he had discoloured um upper one from a trauma one of the prisoners had punched him um and you know became discolored and you know he wanted cosmetic treatment for it and he's like well and actually in the detention centers hardly any of the prisoners speak english so you are using the translation translation service uh, yeah. a lot um which takes up a lot of time um to get the treatments done and you know he was really upset you know that is not his fault and he's not committed a crime and he's being treated as a prisoner um and you know the previous dentist said oh there are options of making this tooth whiter um and you know why should he have to pay for the consequences of a not committing a crime and b then somebody assaulting him whilst he was in the detention center and they're really hard because you really really feel for those type of prisoners uh, well not prisoners patients i suppose um you know you feel that you know maybe a disservice has been done um but then you have to remember yeah. that's probably a level of manipulation going on as well at the same time and you don't want to set that precedence of like you say yes to that one chap and then everybody else and now turns up on your door and everybody else wants that veneer on their teeth and then it's really hard to say no and then going back to that popular non-popular thing 
where, you know, you, you can create a problem for yourself coming into work. You know, you don't want the prisoners goading you as you're walking in and shouting your names. And it's not a nice environment to work in when you, you, know, you end up on the bad side of a group of prisoners. So, um, so yeah, but no, I think all in all, it's probably one of my favorite experiences. Um, yeah. And one of the ones that I think about how do you think it's affected your like emotional strength and things like that? You know, working with these different groups, you know, in, uh, yeah. in primary care, you're working with, you know, uh, high needs individuals who are a bit neglected, you know, socially and, you know, uh, distance and distance and stuff like that. And then you are working with uh, prisoners who've done X, Y, Z uh, and, you know, coming yeah. at you in another way. And then all these other guys as well. Yeah, so I think that's really important because you will no no patient is the same, you know, whoever walks through the door, uh, emotionally or you know however they are. So I think in terms of uh, mentally, it's really prepared me to um, nothing phases me now. So I can have any type of patient that would come to me, you know, whether they're aggressive, abusive, like, and you do get that in um, especially in a practice setting where. A patient's very, you know, committed to what they want and maybe they've researched what they want and they just want mm. you to affirm what they want. But when, you know, you come and see, and I've had examples of patients being really aggressive and actually quite verbally aggressive as well, to the point where you think, actually, this is unacceptable. But I think you learn to manage and diffuse or you learn to, you know, treat those patients a lot more calmly. So like, I feel like a lot of, a lot of calm at work. Like, I never get panicked by... I don't think anything phases me now, which is probably the bad thing to say. But, you know, I, even if I'm, you know, if I make a mistake, like sometimes I don't know, say, what happened recently? I was, say I was polishing an upper eight, you know, and you catch the cheek and you think you might panic and you think, oh my God, there's all the blood and the patient's like, oh my, you know, what have you done? You're taking a chunk and you're just like, the just important thing is always just to remember, just never to panic um, and um, always be calm and, I think because I have the experience, I can also have that sort of, you know, okay, I know how to deal with this. And you can sort of, I know you shouldn't really stereotype, but you can sort of put people in certain boxes of types of people and you have a you sort of a premeditated response for that type of person um, yeah. as well. Um, so like, because I, I, I often find myself actually, you know, if you're in the staff room, for example, and you've got dentists that are like, I can't believe it. I had a patient that said this to me today or did that to me today. And I'm just like rolling my eyes. I'm like, come on, like, how do you not know how to deal with this by now? Like, you know, you, you, you've done X, Y, Z amount of years. And, but they're probably the different levels of experience that, you know, they might have just been a GDP and not having to come across different, you know, yeah. types of scenarios I've come across. And I always, so, so sometimes I, I shouldn't really roll my eyes, but I'll have a bit more empathy with them. But I tend to think, oh, well, you know, I can manage it. But I think that's the, probably the biggest thing I've got um, because actually the dentistry part, I haven't really done yeah. dentistry. Like, you know, it's all been basic, like, you know, fillings, extractions, dentures, like yes, you've bred and bought a dentist. I haven't done anything exciting. There's nothing advanced about what I do. You know, it's just basic, basic. So it's more for me, actually the experience I have gained is more the sort of how to manage a patient more than anything. Yeah. We're getting the 30 second warning. So, uh, <laughs> I think we've just about hit 59 minutes. So, uh, oh, great having you on, man. If anyone's got any questions, make sure you shoot them across the house. Um, we'll I didn't talk about Max Packs, but I do want to say everybody should also do Max Packs. It's one of the most wonderful things that you'll ever yeah. do. I think maybe you should have a Max Packs talk maybe one time. 
Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll definitely get that booked in. I'll get it back up on Story. Make sure you're following us if you're not already, and turn on live notifications uh, on here because we've got absolutely loads coming up, guys. Uh, but thanks yeah, for joining thank us. Thank you for all you do as well. Like your page is incredible. I think you've done a really really good job of growing your page. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider joining the Densivista Premium server on Patreon. Uh, there are a number of great benefits. And I hope to see you in there soon. And thank you for watching the channel. And make sure to tune in next time. Thank you.